0: Good to have you back. Two hours down. We got two more to go. Got a lot coming up. Sam Monson going to be joining us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Jim Ozarski in the next hour talking about the in-season tournament for the Milwaukee Bucks. Looking forward to them getting hopefully a win tonight. And we got all kinds of stuff uh, to get to today. Uh, You know, I I do eventually want to get into it. We'll do it tomorrow, too. Jake Butt is going to be joining us. From the Big Ten Network, we'll talk more about the committee and everything that they did or did not do. I, look, the pro- I know people are saying, are you kidding me? Florida State in over Alabama? Look, Alabama had a loss. Florida State didn't. Florida State is getting penalized. Had their quarterback been there, would they be a team that would be in the Final Four? Absolutely. What you did was is you told people that a player matters more than a team record. Okay, which is wrong to begin with. Uh, I know they're trying to avoid a 42-24 blowout, but blowouts happen. We've seen it time and again. Okay? Even the best of the best in championship games, blowouts have happened. All right? You cannot dictate the outcome. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to manipulate the outcome. They wanted the better television rating. They wanted the better matchup. I know there's this level of transparency that they continually talk about, how everything's in secret and everything is, while the numbers are transparent, the votes are not, so there's no collaboration. And I don't believe that. I think they took a vote. I think Florida State was in. I think they all decided they didn't want that. And I also think that when they initially dropped Alabama down to number eight, they were wrong in doing that because had they kept Alabama at five or six or what have you, then it made sense. But I think when they dropped Florida state out of, they had to put then Georgia behind them and they wanted an sec. And look, they, they got it wrong. They got it wrong. I get that people want a one loss Alabama team in there. I get that Michigan earned their spot. No doubt about it. I understand all of that, but what they did from point A to point B in their own metrics was wrong, and then they tried to put an explanation on it to say, "No, this is what we meant." And what you did was you told a team, "You're in a Power Five, go do everything you need to do to win to get in." And your quarterback goes down at that point in time. Had they known that, even if they did, now they now they're talking about, "Well, they were they were barely beating Louisville in the ACC championship. They're barely beating them." So, therefore, Alabama had better points and point differential at that point in time than what Florida State had. Okay, here's the one thing you don't take into account. Suppose you get a couple of turnovers. Suppose you get a couple of turnovers. Suppose Florida State punches the ball out a couple of times. Suddenly it makes it a closer game and a much more well-rounded matched game because we all know turnovers can really dictate the outcome of a game. That's something you cannot predict. That's something that... It takes one player in the secondary to make a play, one player coming off the edge to make a play, one miss blocked on the part of an Alabama or a Georgia player to make a play. What they did was wrong. You kept out an undefeated top five, power five conference team for a one-loss team. By your own metrics, it was wrong. Do I agree that Alabama might be a better team? Yeah, I do. I get it. I understand all of that. But the way you went about it was wrong. And again, this is going to be really the last year that we kind of argue this point when they expand it next year, but just so wrong on so many levels. And basically you have taken the human element out of football because you are predicting who will win and then putting them together. And then you take into consideration money, power of conference. And I'm not talking power like power of schedule. I'm talking about power of conference. And you got afraid of that and that that's what they did. In my opinion. The and, and we'll never know because even though there's a terrific article on ESPN today about what exactly went down in that in that room, so to speak, but you don't know. We weren't in there, nobody else was in there. You got to, you know, kind of take them at their word. I I don't believe the committee as far as I can throw them. I I just I I haven't for a long long time. Now, the one good thing is things have worked out for them. But look, Let's just say, let's take Michigan for example. Michigan, if you want to get into the the, the power of this uh, of the conference finals and who had what, now Michigan won. There, they were an undefeated Big Ten team. They deserve to be there, right? Of course they do. But they, it wasn't like they blew out Iowa. Iowa sucks. I if if they don't blow out every offensive coordinator, play caller, position coach, if they don't fire everybody over there, then it is an absolute travesty to, i would i would transfer if i'm a defensive player over in iowa i transfer out the whole defense you just transfer that's garbage that's a that's a horrible 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 program offensively and to keep forcing down the throats the the coach's son as some kind of offensive guru he's a moron can't get anything out of that group of guys it's a terrible 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 team they're a good defense team, but if I'm a defensive player in Iowa, I'm transferring into the portal. I'm like, Coach, see you later. You don't do anything to help us. You're not bringing in additional talent. You're certainly not bringing in a brain trust to better than that guy. So I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Cornhusker my ass. I'm out. Talk to you later. Nebraska, going. No, no, out. Whatever. Hawkeye, see ya. Same thing. All over, the, all over that west. Whew, it's terrible, man. Terrible, and yet Michigan was barely beating them. They pulled away at the end. So did Florida State, and they're undefeated. So next year, at least, we get away from this discussion. We'll probably talk about somebody that was left out, whatever. But for the most part, at least, we get away from this discussion. Ah, uh, 70. Then, and tidbit, you're 100% correct. You've got Luke Fickle's team and the Wisconsin Badgers going against Brian Kelly. Both of those two coaches coached at the University of Cincinnati. They made their bones as Bearcat coaches. Kelly goes on, coaches at Notre Dame, then goes to LSU, suddenly gains an accent, you know. At least Luke Fickle didn't get off the plane acting like he had invented cheese curds the way Brian Kelly did down at LSU. So... Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Let's go to Chris listening to us in mosquito Chris, how you doing today, man? What's going on?
1: Hey,
2: Bill. You gotta love the W. Hey, I think yes. uh, in the last few weeks, besides uh, Jordan Love and receivers getting a bit more experience and all that, you really gotta give credit to the offensive line for finally starting to come together. Same with the D-line. They've been doing pretty decent themselves, so I think yeah. as you've always said, over the years and years and years, you win and lose in the trenches, and yeah. I think how they're playing in the trenches has really helped them out.
0: Completely, 100% agree. Appreciate the phone call. I, When you look at what the offensive line has done, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, when you look at the offensive line play, the offensive line play, um, the Packers, their pass-blocking. They're pass-blocking. Pass they are top five in the National Football League. Top five as a pass-blocking team. Top five. Run-blocking, not nearly as good. Run-blocking, they're 24th. But top five when it comes to pass-blocking. So they're giving. And they were number eight for a while. So they've gotten even better over the last four weeks, as, as he alluded to. Uh, I think part of it is. And as much as I disliked it, I get it, is when they finally started shuffling guys in and out, saying, you're going to earn your spot. We're going to figure out who the best really are. And if you're a young guy looking for that second contract or an older guy trying to hang on to a contract or, and or a, a veteran spot not getting cut, it really created some decent competition. And it gave guys versatility. And in addition to that, it gave guys rest. I remember when Dom Capers used to run big bodies in and out of the defensive front all the time. It was Cullen Jenkins. It was, it was C.J. Wilson. It was Howard Green. It was B.J. Raji. It was Ryan Pickett, and he just kept rotating those guys and giving big bodies time to breathe, and they were stellar. They got really good up front. Same thing. When you're running guys in and out, you're moving guys around, you're letting them play different positions, you're keeping muscle memory, and you're giving them a, a period of rest, it's, it's, it's worked out pretty well. But when it comes to pass blocking, their offensive line right now sitting at number five. You know who they're behind? The Vikings have been the best, by the way. Philadelphia, Detroit, Baltimore, and then Green Bay. That's the way it goes.
3: You know what's funny, Bill, and I mentioned this on my show last night, so I I don't mean to keep bringing up Aaron Rodgers, but it's a point of comparison the Jets. The Jets' line is so bad, Rodgers lasted, what, four plays, and now Zach Wilson doesn't even want to come back and and play behind that line? Right. The Packers, now it took them a little bit with some of the youth and and a lot of moving pieces and a rebuilding year, but by whatever it is, week 13, week 14, they got to a point where they could play the defending world champs and rotate their left tackle and rotate their right guard and be Mm -hmm. fine. That's yeah. bananas to me. They're just trying guys out in the middle of the game
0: against the Chiefs, and they're fine. They're fine on right. the line. line. Uh, it's interesting. Elton Jenkins is your top pass blocker. Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, uh, as far as your down linemen go, then Josh Myers, then at number 10 would be Josh Nyman. John Runyon is probably one of your lowest ones, followed by Royce Newman. And then it goes on from there. Sean Ryan, not great or astute at pass blocking. He's uh, he's one of the lower-ranked ones on the team. Out of everybody that's actually had to pass block, that's including the wide receivers. That's when it comes to your pass blocking. Now, your run blocking, your best are Zach Tom, then Yash Nyman, then Sean Ryan, then Josh Myers, and uh it goes on from there. When it comes to run blocking, uh, Elton Jenkins, not nearly as astute at run blocking as he is at pass blocking. Um, Rasheed Walker is down the down the way. But as your offensive lineman rank. So you can see why they've been shuffling linemen in and out of the lineup because they're trying to figure this out because somebody may be really good at pass blocking but not at run blocking. And when different personnel packages come on, you kind of know what it is they may be wanting to do. But you're trying to move guys in and out to say, hey, look, you know, you're pretty good here, but we need you to be good in both. So we're going to create some competition. I, I like it. I like it. Let's go to Leroy listening to us in Hartford. Leroy, how are you doing today, man? What's going on?
2: Yeah, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for taking my call.
0: I'm a first-time
2: caller, a long-time listener. A uh, couple of things here. Going back to, I believe, the 2020 draft with uh, Love and uh, Dylan, uh, obviously they were crucified for that draft but they look a lot wiser now. Uh,
0: You're right. And, I mean, over the last four games, it certainly has proven to be brilliant. Now they haven't won anything, but if they get to the postseason this year, boy, it'll certainly change a lot of opinions, including mine.
2: I, I, you know, I, I think they're a lot wiser than we think they are at times because they draft a quarterback before they need him. So many teams draft the quarterback to start the next year, and – so many young quarterbacks struggle or even fail. And maybe uh, Zach Wilson's a good example of that, tossing him to the fire right away. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, they drafted Rogers before they needed him, and same thing with Love. And uh, obviously they had success with that.
0: I completely um, agree. Look, when you talk about drafting a quarterback before they needed him, the, the problem I had with that draft was they were just a few players away. And they, they drafted for the future rather than the now. And I thought that there were other players that could have been impact players. And who knows, they could have gotten a quarterback at a different time in a different place. But that's what bothered me about it because it seemed like at that point in time you kind of gave up rather than going after a couple of the guys that were there. And I, I think that's what still sticks in people's craw. Yeah,
2: I think you're right on that aspect. Uh, you know, my, my outlook on that is anytime you get to draft a quarterback that you think is going to be good, uh, you should grab them, number one, uh, you know, if you don't necessarily need them at that point. It becomes good trade bait after a year or so. Uh, so uh, that's kind of how I look at it. But yeah. uh, I love what's happening now. Yeah, i got a good question, though, for you, uh, yes. changing subjects a little bit. The NIL, I, I don't understand that. Do all players get that or just selected players or how does that work?
0: No, they all get it. I mean, what what this the NIL, and I appreciate the phone call. Let me explain this before I go to break here. The NIL is basically name, image, likeness, okay? If you are a popular enough player, a good enough player, somebody that's in demand, that has the ability to make money off of your name, image, and likeness, you can do it, okay? Uh, Some players don't because you're not well-known, you're not highly thought of, you're not a superstar. But this was made to give those that are hunted and deserving the ability to make money off of their name, okay? Uh, it does give some guys the ability. I mean, originally, what this was supposed to be, and this is why once they open the Pandora's box, you cannot put the uh, the crap back in the horse, okay? When they when they did this, this was supposed to be you could make a little bit of money, have enough money to, you know, to drive your car, to pay your insurance, to buy gas, to take your girlfriend out to dinner. You know, you didn't have to scrimp by because athletes were under different restrictions than, than other students because students could go anywhere, get a job, work, and blah, blah, blah. But when, when you're football, basketball, baseball, whatever, you're, that's your life. You're, you're up at 4 in the morning, and you're heading over to the weight room at 5, and then you're going to classes, and you're getting out of classes, and you're going to practice, and you're going into meetings, and you're doing travel. You don't have time to have a job. So for some guys who had the ability to make money, they kind of sued for the ability to make money. Like, we got people wanting to pay us for signatures and autographs and to be at certain events, and we should be able to make that money. That's our name. They want us. That It's not just the university. And that's where the lawsuit came from, and you can't impede that. But instead of putting a cap or a limit on th- certain things, they just said, whatever you can make, go make, but we don't want to pay you. That's the greed of the NCAA. We don't want to pay you, but somebody else, psh, no problem. They can pay you. And if you're the player that's in in – in demand, you'll make more money. What they didn't foresee was opening things up to where kids as as young as twelve years old can get million dollar deals, because now you're allowed to have your name, image, and likeness on a shoe or at a school. You know, so everybody can make it, but it's only the people that actually I don't want to say matter, but have the name, you know, that have the name that that make a a good amount, if you will, of money. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho,
2: ho, ho, I need a window.
4: Maybe it's cold outside.
2: So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come
4: on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle
2: that stays in my pocket.
4: That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Kawa offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl.
0: Why not make a New Year's resolution today?
4: That's the spirit, Santa. Hell no. Pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com.
3: Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 1231-2023.
0: Coming up, bottom of the hour, Sam Monson, pro football focus, going to be joining us. We'll talk with him about the analytics of this football team. About the analytics of this football team. Exciting. Exciting stuff. Good to have you back. Hey, uh, I told you the story the other day, last week, uh, about our friends over at the ICHC, the Irish Cultural Heritage Center. And uh, two things, two parts to this. One is they're a great sponsor, great uh, partner to work with. They have a lot of concerts. Holiday music coming up. So if you're looking for just a great night out, uh, just a really nice, relaxing time, put you in the holiday spirit, uh, go to the Irish Cultural Heritage Center, ICHC.net to see all the different shows that are upcoming and get your tickets now for the uh, night before St. Patrick's Day. The night before St. Patrick's Day as Cynthia is coming to town. We're going to all be there. I think we've got like 20 tickets for that uh, that we bought, and I can't wait. This is a, a one hell of a party. It really is. Cynthia's coming to town, and they're going to be there the night before Thanksgiving, coming up in March. So get your tickets now to the ICHC.net. However, the other thing is uh, go to ICHC.net and see their donation button. And I told the story the other day, and some of you have donated 5 bucks, $10, 100 bucks, but it's been great. And the, uh, they, I saw Corey this morning, uh, oddly enough, and uh, Corey and his wife, they were at Woodman's uh, shopping. And for some stuff uh, at the ICHC. And uh, they were saying how generous people have been regarding donations. They were robbed. Uh, Their account was hacked. Their bank account was hacked. And uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and the thieves took every dime of this nonprofit, every dime. And their operating budget and everything, gone. Now, will they get their money back? Yes. But it's going to take about 90 days at least to get it all back and get it sorted out because it was tens of thousands of dollars. And they need that money to pay the bands. They needed that money to keep the heat on. They needed that money to buy groceries. Today, he was paying out of his pocket for some of this stuff. So uh, if you can help out, and I know we have a very wide and vast audience. It is a a wonderful uh, nonprofit in Milwaukee. It's called the Irish Cultural Heritage Center. Go to ICHC.net. And at the top of the page, you'll see the word donate. You can click on it, make a donation. It is tax deductible. And uh, they just appreciate it. They really, really do. They're great people. I can't say enough about them. But uh, what kind of a, what kind of an sob does that specific? I mean, at any time to a nonprofit, but then on Thanksgiving Day, just to come back in the next day, that following Monday, and realize you've been robbed, it it was just gut wrenching for those people. So thanks to uh, thanks to all of you who have donated and and put some money there. But if you can continue to do it, that's that's great. 1670 uh, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Mike says the NIL is going to make the top powerhouse college football factories even stronger. The colleges that can't afford it will hoard to the top players. My son is 39. He is still paying off his student loans. You, you're right. You're right. I look. I do. I agree with it. No, I, I'm not a fan of the NIL. I think there should have been a stipend. But you know what? Pro- what the problem was? Here's what the problem was between you, me, and the fence post. The problem was is the institutions and the NCAA didn't want to give up money. Pay them? What do you mean pay them? I'm not paying them. And because it gets around paying lesser students money, lesser student athletes, and lesser sports. Because if you come in as the NCAA and you say, okay, we're going to pay all the football players and the high-profile basketball players, then you got to pay everybody you got to pay the hockey teams, all the women's teams. Title IX becomes involved. They didn't want to do that. So what they did was they opened the Pandora's box and said, here you go. Here you go. Go ahead. If you can make money on the open market with your name, your image, your likeness, go for it. And they did. And now it, 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 it wasn't like it trickled in, like, hey, we'll give you a couple hundred bucks a week, or hey, We're going to pay you gas money. Like suddenly Quick Trip sponsoring a couple of NIL players, giving them, you know, gas cards. I mean, suddenly it's like companies are coming in and, you know, Nike and Under Armour and Adidas and all these, you know. Now, granted, you have to wear what your team is already employed to wear, but you can sponsor things outside. Um, Autograph signings, they can pay you tens of thousands of dollars. And then some of these kids are getting contracts from shoe companies early on for millions, you know. Right. Right. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, This is from Jake, who says, uh, Hey, Bill, love the program today. Great topics. I was wondering about Joe Barry myself, with all the people that are saying Joe Barry's defense is playing much better. Do you think Joe Barry gets canned at the end of the year? Uh, Then I hear Peter Bukowski talk about this is the last year of his contract. Maybe they just don't renew it. He's already got a half a foot out the door. Would the other one then please follow? Jake... What happens if over the next five weeks, this defense, losing Rasul Douglas, playing without its top playmaker and Jair Alexander for a long period of time, you know, Rashawn Gary coming off of injury, Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker at times banged up this year. wonder if this defense ends up in the top five scoring and – Suddenly, he just unleashes hell and fury, and over these next five games and even into the postseason, they're not the problem. Let's just say, win or lose, okay? Let's just take the offense in a win or loss out of this thing. Let's just say they, over the next five weeks, they average maybe 18 points a game, given up, and in the postseason, now they would end up facing most likely San Francisco-Philadelphia Detroit, most likely. One of those three. Whoever really isn't the top seed is probably who they're going to face. Okay? So it's either going to be San Francisco or Philadelphia. Let's just say they face San Francisco. And that defense, much like last time, is not the problem. Remember, the last time these two teams faced off and went against one another in the postseason, it was a snow globe game up at Lambeau. Rodgers and the offense were terrible. The special teams sucked. And the defense held their own. They lost the game, what, 13-10 to or something like that? Some stupid number? Let's just say they give up 17 to San Fran. And they still lose the game 17-14. Right? Then what? Now. As Tim puts it, what if the D is in top five scoring defense, but they craft a bet against a good team like the Niners? Well, then you're exposed. Then you should beat and you should dominate bad teams, teams that are lesser than you, and the better team comes in and exploits you. Yeah, I can agree with that. I understand that. But let's take the opposite scenario. Then what? Do you give Joe Barry, for continuity's sake, and the fact that this thing's gotten better, as Matt LaFleur put it, they have gotten bigger and better each and every week, end quote? You know? Then what? Then what? 877-867-1670. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, gonna join us coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Stay right where you're at.
3: Covering Wisconsin
2: sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show
0: on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: You got to hear!
0: Good to have you back. Today is absolutely positively flying by. Usually means you're having fun. Today's been a good day in a lot of different ways. A lot of good good topics today. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Sam, joining us now on the hotline. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. How's it going? Ah, oh, we're doing great. Obviously, here in Packerland, people are ecstatic that over the last four games, uh, Jordan Love has looked like uh, you know better than Aaron Rodgers did at all last year. So, you tell me what you see and why things have gotten so dramatically better.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest change in him is accuracy—just simple ball location, putting the ball where he wants it when he wants to. Um, that was. Really, his biggest weakness for the first sort of, half of the season, um, he was one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, completion rate tells a story. Adjusted completion rate tells a story when he starts tripping out drops and throwaways and all those kinds of things. But PFF charts actual ball location as well. So did you put the ball exactly where it's supposed to be or was it off even when it needed, even when it was a completed pass? You know, was the ball off where you wanted to put it, and did that kind of cause problems? Whether it's limit yards after the catch, whether it's bringing defenders back into the picture, all these kinds of things. And Love's ball location was just was bad for the first half of the season. And in the last few weeks, it hasn't been just better. It hasn't just been good. It's been one of the best in the NFL. It's been genuinely outstanding. And it just makes such a huge difference because. There's so many passes. Think the the Christian Watson touchdown, um, you know, in the most recent game. High, away from the defender, perfectly thrown where only Watson can go get it. I mean, the difference between that and a ball that's off by half a yard is the difference between a touchdown and an incomplete pass. And that's really the story of his game over the last sort of few weeks if you just magnify, you know, that one individual play by, you know, 10, 15 passes over the course of the game.
0: I like uh, the fact that, like you said, the ball placement has been so much better. It's one of those things that I thought, um, you know, many were starting to say, like, look at his mechanics. He had a lot of the, quote, hops. He was he was shuffling his feet too much. There was a lot of improv that was going on. Arm angles were different. It seems like all of a sudden he's got his feet under him, his base is under him. He's got a good structure. He's been more sound. He's been more forthcoming in delivering the football, kind of like the Matt LaFleur said, letting it rip. Do you, do you go back and you look at Tom Clements and say, Tom noticed something that a lot of us were noticing and said, okay, look, we're going to go back to the fundamentals and fix this. This is the reason his accuracy has been so much better.
1: I'm sure there's a part of that, that, you know, these quarterbacks like that 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 are being worked on sort of as they go will get better as a matter of course. But it was such a switch that got flipped. I don't think it's a mechanical thing. Some of the most accurate passes he's thrown in the last few weeks have been You know, without his feet under him, they've been from that kind of ad-libbed base that quarterbacks are going to have to do at some point in the NFL. He's just been better, and I I can't think of a time where a quarterback has demonstrated such a clear difference as if something just changed, you know, one day to the next in their game. But that's what seems to have happened to to Love.
0: Uh, play calling wise, uh, 10 out of the, uh, or nine out of the opening 10 plays on the, uh, the other night against Kansas city, they had movement in motion. Has Matt LaFleur open, just completely opened up the play calling and given him more options and more to look at more to read more to figure out, but he's been successful at doing it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that they are tapping in now to more of that element of the game, which is one of the trends in the NFL at the moment. You know, a lot of the most successful offenses in the league, not all of them, but, but a lot of them are utilizing all those kinds of things, motion and uh moving the pocket and, and trying to do those types of things. And you don't necessarily need the most athletic quarterback in the world to make those work, but they're more potent potentially when you have those guys. So I think that's that's definitely something that is improving with this team over the course of the season.
0: Uh, I want to look at the rest of the NFC. Now we started to talk about this today. About this, this Packers team for the most part should be favored in many of the games going down a stretch. At least for the next five, maybe not at U.S. Bank Stadium, depending on how the Vikings come out of their bye week. But this team going into the postseason probably going to garner a wild card position at maybe number seven, which would probably put them up against either the Eagles or the 49ers. I, look, I don't see them necessarily heavily going toe to toe with either. But just to make the postseason, what does that mean? It would be huge. I mean, this team did not
1: look like a playoff team whatsoever. Um, Earlier in the season, it looked like not only were they not going to make the playoffs, but everything was going to have to get blown up in terms of maybe Jordan Love isn't the guy. We don't have a quarterback. Everybody's young and making mistakes. And maybe we just don't have the talent level. And this is a full rebuild project to go from that to, Jordan Love right now does look like the guy, and this is a playoff team, and the young cohort, the young core of this roster can all develop and get better, you know, together in in with success happening at the same time. You know, this team, the, the trajectory couldn't be uh, facing up in a better direction. I mean, they would go into next offseason, regardless of the outcome in the playoffs, as one of those teams that everybody is tipping for great things in 2024.
0: The, uh, the rest of the NFC, how do you think, like, with the, the Eagles getting beat so soundly, their defense was so good last year, not the same this year, getting beat so soundly by the 49ers, obviously what's happened to the Detroit Lions, really going back to the game against Chicago, in which they kind of had to sprint to win and then getting beat by the Packers, and then again this past weekend having a somewhat close call against New Orleans. What is the power of the NFC right now? I mean, I think
1: the 49ers, when everybody's healthy, look like an absolutely untouchable, unstoppable juggernaut and the best team in the NFL. Um, you've got the Eagles, who I think are of a similar um, class overall, but, but have sort of struggled to hit the heights that people have assumed that they're capable of based on last year. And this, this year's version of the Eagles might just be a half step below where they were a season ago. Um, you know, you've got Dallas who are able to annihilate bad teams, but struggle to do the same thing against really top level teams and got embarrassed by the 49ers when they played. And then I think you have a group of teams who potentially can beat, you know, aside on their best day, but are unlikely to be able to do that three or four games in a row to win a Super Bowl. So I, I think really it's starting to shape up though, the further we go into this season as The 49ers looking like the presumptive favorites and then somebody trying to catch their best day to knock them out.
0: How good are the Dallas Cowboys? You talk about Dallas beating up on bad teams. Now, this past weekend, we saw Dallas because I was thinking to myself, well, you know, you got a Seahawks team. They're pretty good. They went toe to toe with them and struggled. But Dak still looked really good in that win, even though the defense didn't. How good is Dallas?
1: Yeah, I think that was an important game for them. You know, it was it's bridging the gap between, as you said, the, the bad teams and and a team like the 49ers, who absolutely destroyed them when they played. So being able to get a win against the Seahawks, I think, was an important milestone and step in the right direction and and a sort of a, a middle ground between just beating up on bad teams and getting beaten by the best teams in the NFL. The Seahawks are somewhere in the middle, and they were able to. Uh, withstand a few body blows that the Seahawks gave them and still get a win there so you know for Dallas none of it's going to matter until they play a team like Philadelphia or San Francisco in the playoffs and they're able to show that they can bring their A game to that performance as well but all they can do is is beat bad teams and then try and get some some wins against good teams uh, on the remainder of their schedule as well.
0: Yeah, they've got Philadelphia, a big game coming up on Sunday night. Then they got the Bills and the Dolphins both on the road. Then they face the Lions back at home before they close out their season against the Commanders. So you're going to find out a lot about Dallas. Now, I do want to go to the AFC real quick because Kansas City at 8-4, and four, uh, out of all the division leaders over in the, uh, the AFC, they would be the lowest rung on the totem pole after Jacksonville ended up getting knocked off last night. So you tell me where the power is right now in the AFC. Yeah, it's a good
1: question. I don't think anybody really knows. It might be even more wide open than the NFC. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, but there might not be a great one, which is not what people expected going into the season, given how many teams looked extremely strong uh, in the off season. Miami look uh, fantastic when they're at their best, but they've had wobbles as well. I, I don't know that there is a, a genuinely super team in the AFC And it might be a case of who catches fire at the right time at the end of the season and going into the playoffs.
0: Talking with Sam Monson a Pro Football Focus, Uh, I want to go back to the Packers. Now, a lot's been talked about when it comes to their offensive line, one of the best pass-blocking offensive lines in all of football. Run blocking not nearly as good, but how much is the run blocking predicated upon also who the running back is? Because A.J. Dillon's more of a plotter. He's a north-south guy, and they have not had a fully healthy Aaron Jones for quite some time. So does Aaron Jones coming back make that offensive line automatically better, you would assume?
1: I don't know if it makes it better, but it might make the production better even if the offensive line doesn't, you know, change, even if the quality of the blocking is the same. Because of the speed he has and the ability to, you know, burst through a gap and get through a tighter window and, and then make more happen at the second level, I think the, the results will be better. Um, but I don't think that the offensive line is necessarily – a product of of A.J. Dillon and and his limitations. I think it might be made look worse because of that and and being highlighted um, more to everybody watching because of that. But, you know, for some reason, the Packers have just got this very one-dimensional offensive line in terms of being very good at pass blocking and not as a run-blocking group. And that seems to be a trend in the NFL at the moment, not necessarily in that direction, but there's a lot more... Offensive lines that are very good at one aspect and not at the other, then there seems like there has been in the past. Jacksonville last year, for example, were very similar to this year's Green Bay team. They were incredibly good as a pass blocking group and literally the worst graded run blocking line in the NFL by PFF grades. And that seems to be more of a thing these days than it used to be.
0: Always great to talk to you, Sam. I really appreciate the insight, and we will talk to you again real soon down the stretch, okay? Anytime. take it easy thanks pal talk to you later there you go Sam monson pro football focus always great to get him on the air with us always love just kind of picking the brain when it comes to uh when it comes to the analytical side uh, of football and what we're actually seeing which is which is cool I like that like to think uh yeah if I, I saw that over on uh, as a matter of fact uh, grant bills made me aware of it guys over on the uh, live stream but uh Tim Boyle who Aaron Rodgers thought would be a terrific uh, Third-string quarterback for the New York Jets has now since been released. Released. Things not going well in New York. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers going down had a lot to do with it. But do you think this year, Grant, that the NFL begins to take a good hard look at the rules changes regarding hitting quarterbacks? Well, what more can they
3: do, you know? Right? I... The hip drop tackle or, you know, whatever they want to call that, that I feel like more impacts wide receivers and running backs because quarterbacks, for the most part, when they're taking hits and they're they're unprotected, mostly they're in the pocket. So that tackle right. really doesn't have I don't know what more they can do. I think it's a lot of bad luck. I mean, I didn't didn't Trevor Lawrence? He got stepped on by his own left tackle last night, didn't yep. he?
0: Yep. And that was a point that uh, Troy Eggman and Joe Buck made last night. Uh, they just put it up. They didn't really expound upon it. But they said it's 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 a stark worry, I think, or something to that effect. Uh, but they were talking about Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers. You go through the list of starting quarterbacks that are not playing because of injury this year. And now Trevor Lawrence has gone down. Joe Burrow has gone down. And it's all been really weird freak things. Joe Burrow, he, you know, banged his thumb and injured his – injured his, his – the throwing tendon in his thumb. Trevor Lawrence got stepped on by his own guy. Aaron Rodgers was basically – it, while it was contact, it wasn't. It wasn't like anybody rolled him up. He just put pressure on his foot and his Achilles snapped. He didn't
3: get and, crushed. It's not like a right. 350-pound defensive lineman fell on him. He just spun around and his toe got
0: cut. Right. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, he he, it was a non-contact injury. He just went down. You know, so it's, it's just. But all these starting quarterbacks are now down in the National Football League. You know, it's not like one thing. I mean, they're protecting the head; no headshots anymore. You can't go to the knees or lower anymore. It's you, you, you know, you can't put your weight on them anymore. You can't sling them around anymore. You know, I, I mean, they're doing anything, everything they can to protect these guys. But it's just, it's, it's a, it's just a bad year when it comes to injuries for quarterbacks. But it's something that they're talking about consistently. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy if you want to give us a shout? Go ahead and do it. Would love to hear from you. Hey, uh, our friends at the Four Seasons on the Resort—they got a lot going on up there. They've got parties, they've got uh, dinners, wine dinners coming up. They have got the the trails that will open up as soon as the snow flies for the snowmobiles. They still have the UTV and the ATV trails that are open uh, up there. Also over at the ski hill, it's going to get colder this weekend, uh, more so on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, going into next week. But when it does, they'll be making a ton of snow. The snowpack will be pretty good. They're going to start to open the ski hills as we get closer towards Christmas time. So don't forget, both places, the Four Seasons Island Resort or Pine Mountain Ski and Golf Resort, both up in uh, the northern area of Wisconsin and in the UP, call our girl Barb, 715-938-5110, 715-938-5110. Tell them you heard it here, and you get 15% off of your stay. It's that simple. More of the Bill Michael Show next.
2: Ho, 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 I need a window.
4: Baby, it's cold outside.
0: So where do I go, ho, ho? Come
4: on, Santa, go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More
2: jingle that stays in my
4: pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl.
0: Why not make a New Year's resolution today?
4: That's the spirit, Santa. Pella, no. Pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at Palawi.com.
3: Certain restrictions apply. See Showroom for details. Offer ends 1231-2023.
0: Gotta say thanks to our buddy Chris Klug and the gang at ABC. ABC Audio Video. Uh, And they do so much great work. Uh, It's affordable, which is the best. It's not like some of these bigger services that come in and charge you tens of thousands of dollars just to put in a surround system at your house. You know, I mean, Chris does a great job and very simple, uh, but they can handle the extravagant. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some of the work that he does. I mean, he's done everything from hospitals to, you know, mansions. So, yeah, he can do it. But when you talk about just the basics, you know, you just want a good sound system in your home. You want a good television, you want a good uh, remote control, you, you know, you want to hide all your components. I mean, whatever it is that your wants and needs are, they've got something for everybody. Custom audio and video solutions, they know their project is unique, your project is unique, and they've got incredible flexibility. Go to abcaudiovideo.com, abcaudiovideo.com, and they can tell you right there all about all the different services they give you. But ABC Audio Video. Uh, Home Entertainment, Simply Done Right. Call him 262-483-6656. 262-483-6656. And he works all over the state. That's the best part about it, all over the state of Wisconsin. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to start to take a look at this in-season NBA tournament. Okay, Tonight, you've got the Bucs. They're at home taking on the Knicks down at the five serve. Uh, which is going to make things a little bit crazy downtown tonight because uh, going downtown for dinner this evening, 6.30 is the tip time. But I got some dinner reservations at 6.00. So I would imagine it's going to be kind of nuts. But that being said, it is this in-season NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals. You also have tonight the Lakers and the Suns taking one another on. So I don't necessarily get how all of this works. But I know coming up on Saturday, which would be 7:30 Central Time, uh, they're going to have the NBA in-season tournament championship coming up. So I again, I, I don't, I don't get it all. But if the Bucks win tonight, apparently if the Bucks win tonight. Correct me if I'm wrong. If the Bucks win tonight, they will then face the winner of the Suns Lakers game out in Vegas does that sound about right Grant or am I wrong on that I will double check it over the break to get to Vegas I
3: believe they have to beat the Pacers later this week who beat the Celtics last night so I I think there's one more round and I don't think that round Thursday I think it's Thursday night right yeah and I think that's either in Milwaukee or in Indianapolis I I don't think they go to Vegas yet
0: I think that's Vegas I think they're actually the I, I think that game's in Vegas I believe you're right but I think that game will be in Vegas so, okay. Hopefully, Kinda Jim's not listening. On, He's yeah, like, oh, yeah, my Jim, god!" Yeah, Jim's <laughs> probably got palm to forehead because it's, it's difficult for me to figure out. But we'll, we'll get to it. I think they play in Vegas on Thursday, and then the finals are on Saturday. So, anyway. You're right. Yep. we got a lot more. Another hour yet to go. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. It's all coming up right after this.